big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. I thought you were a business brain, Mark, but you're better than that. You're what my grandma would call a real piece of shit. Yeah? It's a great plan. Hans is the star, Jeremy's the second stringer. Let's fuck him. That's our dick. That's Jeremy's asshole. We're fucking him. Hey everybody, welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 33, Jeremy's Broke. My name is Sean, and I am not like the rest of these feckless cum shedders. And my name's Laura, and I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing here. Yeah, how are you doing, Laura? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas, and um, <laughs> I don't know, what other holidays did we miss? Hanukkah. 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 Yeah, yeah don't, uh, Kwanzaa, don't want to, you know... <laughs> not include anything in here no exactly how are things over in the the us of a oh just wonderful just <laughs> yeah <Great>. fantastic <laughs> uh everything's going great here best country <laughs> we are being made great again on a daily basis i am um, i've just downloaded the audio version of that terror and fury or whatever it's oh, called fire and fury fire and fury <laughs> so i'm looking forward to getting i've listened to the first chapter i'm looking forward to getting stuck into that this week oh man that was quite the that was quite the book when it came out over here yes did yeah you, did you hear about the gorilla channel no <laughs> what oh. was that somebody tweeted a a fake excerpt from the book about how president trump watches a uh, when he got to the White House, he was upset because there wasn't a gorilla channel, and he was under the impression that there was a channel that showed nothing but gorillas twenty four hours a day. Which would be so, great when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So his aides went through and made him made a gorilla channel for him, but then he got impatient <laughs> during the documentary parts and just wanted to watch them fight. So they edited it down to seventeen hours of gorillas fighting. And it and it said that he sits like really close to the TV and coaches the gorillas on how to fight each other. Hang and... on, is this satirical? Or is this real? This yeah, is something. No, 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 no. This is satirical. Oh, this thank satirical. God! I was going to say this is this is too much now. What? No, no, <laughs> no. But but here's the crazy thing, Laura, is that actual legit news agencies pick this up and we're talking about it, and it just like blew my mind. I was like, what the fuck, like. This is obviously fake, but then it really concerned me. <laughs> I mean, we're by the way, the... if you don't want to, if you don't want to hear political discussion, you can just jump jump ahead a little bit. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but it concerned me because the fact that people could even fathom that it was true, I was like, what does that say about our current political state? Yeah, I mean, I think like, we're through the looking glass. The fact I had to ask you shows you that for a second there, I thought, no, no, surely not. You know, could be true. Yeah. But it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks here as we see what happens with our our current government. So I am um, I've not been following very closely, but I walked into my parents' house on Friday to hear my dad shout out from upstairs. Radio Four are saying Donald Trump's trying to get rid of abortion now. That'll be the next thing, and I was like, I can't even engage with this at this point. Yeah, he um. It's weird because he always kind of ran as like abortion wasn't even on his radar. Like I, I'm trying to think if he even ever mentioned it um, at all in his campaign. I don't think he did, but it's his vice president, Mike Pence's like Hobby signature horse. issue. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are 
so uh, I think I spoke to you previously about me and my husband had got into American Horror Story uh, with, oh, yeah, with yeah. some, you know, some of it with more success than others. But there have been some series we've really enjoyed, some we've not. But we have just, we're about halfway through Cult at the moment and we are fright- simultaneously fascinated and frightened at the fact that, you know, we could see this actually happening in America now. Yeah, I, I haven't watched Cult yet. Have you not watched it yet? It's well worth your time. It's good. We're on episode seven, I think, at the moment. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it was excellent. Yeah, so. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, the political discussion is over. The political <laughs> discussion is over. Claxon, uh, end of political discussion. Yeah. On to Peep yeah. Show. Yeah, on to Peep Show, which is what people really came here to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were kind of talking off air a little bit. I kind of forgot how much they pack into this one episode. Yes, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, it is called Jeremy's Broke and is supposedly about Jeremy, but I think you mentioned in your notes, and I've said this as well, it's, it's a lot more about Mark, really, this episode, isn't it? It's a very Mark-centric episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so let's uh let's go ahead and jump in and there's also some other tv stuff i would like to talk about too because there's some other shows that i there's another show that i watched that i want to just briefly mention smashing so. yeah cool all right then let's go all right. all right let's go let's talk about peep show for the first time in eight years <laughs> i'm just looking to see where i put it on my list so i know where it is for when you guess okay yeah i've seen it i know where it is all I right still, i still agree with myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this episode kind of just uh, kicks off with Jeremy and Mark and they're hanging out in Mark's living room. Um, because I just happen to have the Peep Show script book next to me, I noticed that the shirt that Jeremy was wearing is the one that he's wearing on the cover of the Peep Show script book. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so it is. Yeah, you're right. Nice, stylish t-shirt, that one. Yeah, uh, some sort of bunny rabbit. Yes, with a like an evil gun. rabbit. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's probably, I'm sure it's probably some band that i've never heard of yeah yeah um jeremy's at a real low point here he's out of money and mark is just uh, just shoveling food down his face and um i'm not really sure what he's eating but he's eating what looks like a delicious cumberland sausage and god damn it i'm getting hungry just thinking about it (laughs) he's eating sausage and mash ah sausage and mash there we go um and as he's eating it jeremy's questioning him on the ingredients of the meal uh, in quite hungry ways, clearly a hungry Mark's not really engaging him. He instead is talking about his upcoming birthday. He says he's eating the sausage and mash because it's his birthday week and he's treating himself. Um, and I wondered if you were familiar with the concept of birthday week. Is this something that happens in your house? Um, no, uh, I really just don't even. My birthday is just kind of like a day that people post a bunch of stuff on my Facebook page. Right, okay. Um, no, we do do birthday week in our house, so so this resonated with me. Maybe it's a British thing. This made me laugh. Um, I had a my one of my really good friends, uh, Paul. His birthday is two days before mine, and at one point, my girlfriend's birthday was the day before mine. So, um, for the two years that her and I were together, that we had birthdays, we did kind of a like a birthday week where it was like. We celebrated my friend Paul's birthday, we celebrated her birthday, we celebrated my birthday, all kind of like back to back to back. Right. I think that might be where ours originated from, because my best friend's birthday is three days before mine. So we have always had a a birthday week together. 
and when we were 30 and 21 and 18 it was more of a birthday month so I think this is something that's come about because we have birthdays in the same week there's a girl that I work with that just turned 21 um like I've got kids on my Facebook that I talk that are 21 now and it's just like man (laughs) I feel so old (laughs) but yeah she just turned 21 and I believe it was like October and she's on her birthday like three and a half months and (laughs) right okay i know she doesn't listen to this podcast i don't feel bad saying it but that bitch goes fucking hard on the alcohol like (laughs) she's having a birthday year at this point yeah oh my god it's like fucking seven days a week (laughs) and she's always like oh she come out with us she should come out with us and i'm like i fucking one o'clock hits and i'm tired like (laughs) I gotta go to bed. I, I could be I, your dad, yeah. Yeah, I could be your dad. <laughs> uh, uh, so, to be young again. Yeah, oh my god, I know, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> we also... Oh, I didn't mean to clear my throat into the mic, sorry. Okay. Uh, we also find out that in advance of his birthday party, he's going speed dating. <laughs> Which, yeah, that seems quite an outdated concept now. Have you ever been speed dating? No, I had it in my notes to ask you that same question. Uh, uh, no, I haven't either. I've got it in my notes to ask you. No, I never I never went. It was never, when it was popular, I wasn't single. And then by the time I was single, it wasn't popular. So I missed, my, I missed the boat on that one. Yeah, when it was popular, I was too much of a shut-in to actually go and do it. So Right. I always think, when I think of speed dating, I think of that scene in 40-Year-Old Virgin where they go speed dating. That's what I've got in my head of what it would be like. Yeah, see, when I think of speed dating, I think of Peep Show. <laughs> yeah, it's um, Jeremy's not sure about the speed dating, is he? No, no, he does. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something he's interested in. No, he says he thinks it's all too much, and that he he thinks that potentially Mark's going to end up as a basket case on the back of all this. Um, but then Mark says that he thinks their lives are slipping through their fingers, and he needs to get out there. Yeah, I like how Mark says that he's never going to meet a woman at a pub, nightclub, art gallery, bookshop, or any other formal or informal social gathering. Yeah, that's where is he going to meet a woman then is what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Work, I suppose. That didn't work out too well for him with Sophie, did it? Nope, not at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, That line really resonated with me because, again, I can really... I can really empathize with Mark here because uh, when I was in the military, that was how I felt. I was just like, oh, I'm just never going to meet a woman. It's okay. To be honest, I've met all my partners through like a work-based setting. So I think that is your best bet. Yeah, I met Nicole. I met Nicole through work-based. The girl I dated before her, work-based. And the girl before her was internet, Craigslist, but... That, right, was, okay. that was back before Craigslist became kind of like creepy. The, yeah, creepy and rapey. <laughs> the, the sex place. I had a fling with a guy I met on the tube, but oh, that wait, didn't wait. end very well. Come on, let me ask this question: Is Craigslist over there? Like, do you know what that is? Yes. So we have. What did we have that was similar? We had something else, and that got taken down. There was a thing in London called the London List, which was like a London version. And then that ceased to exist, and yeah, Craigslist had just taken us over now as well. Oh, okay, okay. So you had a fling with a guy you met on the tube? Yes, I met him on the tube. I was on my phone, I was drunk, and I was telling my friend that I was never going to meet a nice man. 
and he introduced himself and said he was a nice man and we went out for like six months and that was that was an error so i don't i don't recommend meeting guys on the tube uh i i will just you know here's some peep show dating advice if a guy tells you they're a nice guy they're probably not <laughs> yeah exactly he wasn't not a nice guy he was just an odd guy because obviously he was because he hit on a girl on the tube who was drunk and a bit weepy <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I'm losing He's a track. solicitor now. He's a solicitor now in West London, and it's terrifying, quite frankly, that he's allowed to represent people in court. I hope I think he's listening. I, I think that you've talked about him before. I think I have talked about him before, yeah. We used to watch Peep Show together a lot, so it must have yeah. come up. I, yeah, I'm almost uh, 100% positive you've talked about yeah, him before. Yeah, Um. Anyways, so... Uh, let's see. So Jeremy says that he's hungry. Mark replies that he is... That's not his problem. He says it in like a very dickish way too, where he's just like, yes. that is not my problem. But don't you feel that Mark's probably heard this a lot? Like he's lived with Jez for a long time. Jez has never got any money. This is probably a constant thing and it probably does get a bit draining after a while. Oh, I'm sure it does. I am mm. sure it does. Um, so Mark leaves the room and Jez uh, thinks to himself that he's going to Robin Hood this baby and steals one of the sausages. Yep, Mark comes back in the room with his, and then Mark like comes back in his room with an empty thing of uh, Cherry Garcia. Uh, we also find out that Mark and Jeremy have not replaced the TV that was stolen in Berkling. Yes, uh, this really made me laugh, and I've put in my notes that um, the, that Jez mentioned in his voiceover about the tiny telly. Um, and I've said what's going on about TVs these days. I don't know if it's the same in America. I'm guessing it is, but everyone's telly seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And we've got this like puny looking 36 inch screen, which was fine when we got it. But now, because everyone else's tellies are getting bigger, we look like we've got a tiny television. And I'm looking like a fusty Luddite who doesn't want a big telly. But I don't want a TV that big. Is your telly big? Uh, I've Mine is 52 inches, I think. Yeah, so definitely we're in the fusty Luddite character, uh, character yeah, category. I thought we probably were. But I don't see what's wrong with the small telly. This telly's too small, but... No, it is a portable on the other side of the room. No, I mean, uh, I've I've seen the layout of your home, and I think that the TV is like the perfect. Not that I'm saying your house is small, but I'm just saying that <laughs> the, you know, you have to look at like the size of the room. The size of the room, I think, dictates the size of the television. Yeah, that's what I think. But you know, everyone's getting bigger and bigger teddies these days, including Mark and Jeremy. Before their TV got stolen, it was a very large set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to play video games, so I having a big TV is kind of a must for me. I guess, yeah, I can see that that would be a thing. We've got a TV in our bedroom that is is built into the bed, so that looks bigger because it comes out of the bottom of the bed. But I think that's only get a small the fuck one out well. of here. You have one of those ones that's like and like yeah, you up. press the button and it comes out. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that is it's insane. the dream. We bought it as a wedding present to ourselves, and it's maybe the best thing I've ever bought. I might love it more than I love Phil and the children. It's, <laughs> honestly, if it ever breaks, just going to have to go and buy another one because I think it's like a right as a human now to have a TV that comes out of your bed. Oh my God, that's crazy. I would yeah. love that. That's I need great. to see if I can convince Nicole to get that. <laughs> it, um, yeah, it was it was an impulse purchase, but maybe the best impulse purchase we ever made. We were I remember us being in the shop like, oh, are we going to do this? This is ridiculous. And then we bought it and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, we 
Oh man, that's awesome. I'm I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about the bed-based televisions. <laughs> um Yeah, so Mark is upset that not only is his Cherry Garcia gone, but that a a sausage is missing and of course sausage is missing is like one of these little memes that's on uh JLB Survivor all the time. A sausage yes. is missing. Yes, this is a, an iconic peep show line. Um, Mark then says that this is the line, the line's been crossed, and he makes a list of all the things in the flat that it's okay for Jeremy to consume. So he says he can use toilet paper, he can use soap, but not shower gel, no razors if your poor grow a beard, and he says that it's okay for Jeremy to use tea bags, but within limits, so no making a pie out of tea or anything weird. So yeah. those are the three things, toilet paper, soap, and tea bags that Jeremy is allowed to consume. Everything else is off limits. Yep, and then uh, Jeremy kind of confesses to Mark that he's blown his entire nest egg, um, which was kind of enlightening that Jeremy had a nest egg because I always wondered how he seemed to have money while seemingly not working or doing anything. Yeah, that makes sense all of a sudden that there was a nest egg. I wonder where from, though, because where, I'd be interested to know the backstory of where the money's come from because well, he's got no dad. Let's let's just talk about this real quick. Well, Next episode would probably be the better one to talk about because is his dad dead or did his parents just divorce? Because maybe his dad, his dad walked his... out on them when he was 10. He says that when he does the Scientology thing, he says, my dad walked out when I was 10 and I didn't see him again or something like that. So maybe his dad is rich, just not there. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy, of course, eats the last Cumberland sausage on Mark's plate and Mark is just really fucking pissed about it. Yes. Um he goads him by eating the final sausage and Mark says that he needs to move out now. This is it. Yep. And then Jez thinks, delicious Cumberland final straw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got no regrets while he's eating that sausage. Nope. Uh, Next scene, we get the very infamous speed dating um, the speed dating scene. Uh, Mark hated speed dating, which doesn't shock me. Three minute date, three minute fuck, three minute marriage. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he's he's not into it. Um, and he's even less into it once the lady comes over who's in charge and tells him that he didn't get any matches for dating. I wonder what he did get matches for, if anything. Yeah, weird motherfuckers that I don't want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark's enraged by this and he gets into a, an altercation with the lady where he says that that a woman said she would tick and it's a verbal contract. And the woman says, well, why don't you take her to court? And Mark is just pissed off at this point. (laughs) Yeah. And he just drops this bomb speed dating. I'd be better off speed skating. And (laughs) yeah. And even in his voiceover, he thinks that doesn't really make sense, but she gets the point. He's angry. Yep. And then, uh, here we meet Saz. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Even before that, Mark thinks that he's just another wait, uh, weirdo waiting to get hoovered up by the sex industry. Yes, uh, he's falling out of the uh, <laughs> the gene pool, and he's going to get hoovered up by the sex industry. Uh, Which is probably, I mean, he doesn't fall out of the gene pool as it happens, but otherwise, that's probably pretty accurate. Yep, that's pretty accurate, and I'm sure there's probably like a there's a good combination or a, a good amount of people who also feel that same way. Um, yeah, but here we also meet Saz. Uh, she's a, I don't know, attractive-ish Australian. Yeah, I've said she's an attractive, maybe not attractive, but certainly glamorous Australian. She's sort of doled up, isn't she? She's you know very glossy and 
she's wearing a gold dress and she is ranting about the boyfriend who broke up with her on Tuesday who's been texting her. Yeah, and she calls him. She's like, and he wants me to move out already. Jesus, what a knob. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark then decides that he, he says, do you remember me? She doesn't. Uh, and he says, well, we had this three three minute date about 15 minutes ago. He then decides he's going to buy her a drink and he sort of thinks this is the an absolute revelation that, oh, you can just ask women if they want a drink. And um, she says yes, and he clearly thinks he's in there with her. <laughs> yep. And then uh, he kind of just casually mentions that he has a room opening up. Yes, yes. There is a room in his flat that is available, or almost available. Yeah. Um, now we see what Jeremy has been reduced to doing for money. This scene, probably... Uh, I mean, I always feel like I say, like, this scene is my favorite in all of the show, but... This one is one of the ones that I really have a strong memory of and just think this scene is just so goddamn funny every time I watch it. Yeah, it's brief, but it is it is very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy is at a sperm donation clinic. Basically, Jeremy's kind of just decided to make money donating sperm. Um, I, I don't know about over in your country, but here there's like really, really rigorous tests that you have to go through to donate sperm. You can't just yeah. Walk. So yeah, I didn't I didn't write this in my notes because I did the research afterwards. But <laughs> I googled this, and apparently only five percent of men who give a sperm sample actually their sperm is good enough, and they get paid. So it seems unlikely to me that Jeremy's going to be in that five percent. No, with all the drugs he does. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, his sperm is it going to be top top dollar sperm? I'm not sure. And even if it is. They're, in this country, you're only allowed to be compensated expenses, in inverted commas, and that's like £35. So is it even really worth it? He's not going to make... He can't... It's not like he's going to be able to live off this, is he? No. No, if he really wanted to make some money, he'd donate plasma. Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't get paid anything for that in this country, so there's there's nothing he can really donate as far as... Unless he donates a kidney on the black market that he's going to get paid for. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the part where Jeremy like creeps on the the receptionist. <laughs> yes, he he gets up and thinks, oh, she's attractive, and he decides he's going to chat her up, but it all goes really wrong, and he ends up <laughs> apologizing for her having to work there, and she just looks completely bemused, and he says that um that he's not like the rest of the feckless cum shitters, and then he asks her if she would ever fancy a private donation, which is horrible, and even he knows it's horrible, because in the voiceover he thinks, yeah, that was a bit creepy. Yeah, and he's like, spermy atmosphere creeping, cramping my style. <laughs> oh my god, I've, oh god, that, that line when he just asked for the private donation just makes me laugh every goddamn time. It's, it's brilliant, it's really well done, really oh well god. delivered. Yeah, it's so funny. Just like this scene is just Robert Webb at his most masterful. <laughs> yes. Um, he goes off to do his donation um, and he finds out that there isn't any pornography. So he decides that he must have something about his person. So he gets out a £20 note. Two things wrong with this. First of all, obviously, wanking to the Queen, I think, is treason. Or in a less enlightened age would have been treason. And also, where's Jeremy got a twenty pound note from? That's quite a bit of money. He's got no cash. Where's about the twenty quid come from? Is t so is a twenty pound note? Is that considered like a fair amount of money? It's not loads of money, but it's more than Jez would have <laughs> if he's if he can't afford to put food for you know if he can't afford to make dinner 
he's not gonna have 20 quid on him yeah i also so i like his like little sexual fantasy with the queen where he's talking about how naughty she is for using up her nylon ration (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he tells her that she needs to keep the crown on that's the bit i like best yeah and then of course he he drops it and he picks it up and there's elgar on the other side and he's just like elgar oh elgar yeah so i did some research about this uh uh, the Bank of England have got a whole section on their website about the people that are on their banknotes or have been on their banknotes in the past. So I had a look to see um, who's on the one now and because I didn't have one available, I didn't have a £20 note in my house. So I looked to see who's on the one now and to see if they were any sexier. So the one that we've got now is Adam Smith, who is a Scottish economist or was a Scottish economist, not so sexy. Um, there's going to be a new polymer note in 2020, which is going to have J.W. Turner, the artist on it. Again, not so sexy. Uh, but apparently the Bank of England have this whole system where they have like a public consultation with who should be on the new banknotes. And they give a um, a category and then people nominate them. Well, out of the nominations for the next one, there were only two women that were of note in their chosen field, which is visual arts. Uh, one was an Edwardian horticulturist called Gertrude Jekyll, not a looker. And the other was a 20th century architect called Jane Drew, who was also not noted for a glamour. So I don't think there's any chance of Jez ever being able to wank over a banknote, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, who is El- Elgar? <laughs> Elgar was a musician. He's a composer, I think. Oh, Edward Elgar. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's who it is. I think that's yeah. Who the guy was on the note? Yeah, it's Edward Elgar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then Jeremy just—I mean, I'm assuming he finishes, but it is probably not a really fun experience. No, no, he dry humps himself as he puts it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next scene, we are back at Apollo House, and we have um, Jeremy walks in, and he sees all his stuff is kind of lined the halls, and that his room is being repainted. Uh, Jeremy is really touched by this gesture of friendship from Mark and, you know, thinks it's part of an apology. Um, he tells Mark he doesn't like the color of the ceiling, but then only the chicks look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but then Mark sort of sadly says that, oh, it's not for you. It's for Saz. And Jez is like, who's Saz? And Mark gestures to Saz, who's in the living room. Yep. And, uh, Mark tells Jeremy that he can write on his couch until he, um, you know, until he finds a new place. And Jeremy asks Mark how much Saz is paying in rent. And Mark says that she's not paying any rent right now, which also really irritates Jeremy. Well, yeah, which you can understand because, you know, he's not paying anything either. So why is Saz getting to stay there? But Mark uh, sort of confesses that he's actually moving around because he thinks that as a flatmate, he might be able to get in there with her. Uh, which Jez is very unimpressed by. Yep. I also really enjoy this next part where they go into the kitchen and Jeremy's like, hey, what's going on here? Vogel linseed bread, Benacal margarine, soy milk, marrow. These are all foods I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Mark says, if you're going to steal my food, I would prefer that you don't enjoy it. And Jez says, yeah, well, you don't like it either. Um, it's a very funny scene. I, I love the idea of Mark suffering through Lindsay bread and soya milk just because he doesn't want Des to consume them. Yeah, I, Mark's line is, if you are going to steal my food, Jeremy, I prefer you not enjoy it and not enjoying it myself <laughs> is a small price to pay. Um, and then Mark furthers defends letting Saz stay there rent-free by saying she is the one. maybe she's the one. Yes, 
I don't think she is, but nope. yes. She definitely is not, <laughs> as we see. Uh, right here, because Saz has some friends over at the house, and they are getting fucking smashed. Yes, so Mark comes in. He's bought some snacks for his summit with Sophie tomorrow. Uh, she's coming around to talk about the divorce, we assume. And he's bought the heartbreak snacks, uh, olives, crisp breads, nothing too heavy. <laughs> and um, as he walks into the kitchen, we hear and see Saz and some fellow Australians who are getting trashed. Oh, my God. They're... <sighs> this would literally be my worst nightmare. I mean... I don't know how many Australians you get over there. I don't know if it's like a, you know, where you live is a hub for Australians, but we get a lot of Australians. And I'd be careful what I say, because one of my best friends is Australian. I love her very much. But she has got some fucking terrible mates, and they are all like Saz. Oh, really? Oof. Mm, it's a te so, so teaching's one of those jobs that it seems to attract the Australians that are sort of, they come over here, they work a bit, they party a bit, and they, you know, if they're teachers or they've got teaching qualifications, they they do supply work over here. So I've met a lot of Australians and I've not met one who didn't very much enjoy a beverage when it was on offer. Oh, that's... I, I was wondering about that because, of course, you know, me not having an ear for accents, I had no idea that she was Australian until Mark actually says, like, she's Australian, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, she is an Australian. And in London, there is a massive Australian population, particularly in West London. And their whole motto quite often is that we're here for a short time. No, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So they are drunk all the time. <laughs> um, so Saz like comes into the kitchen and she asks Mark if he has any nose powder on the sly. And then uh mark says he doesn't and she tells him to go buy him some um then she because she says she wants to get high and watch mark's porno collection yeah mark uh says he doesn't actually know where he'd acquire any cocaine and that he doesn't actually have a porno collection to which saz starts taking the piss and saying he's got a chub on and generally just humiliating him. But Mark seems to be liking that and thinks this has got all the makings of a sexy party. Yeah, he tells Jeremy, he's like, wow, three fun-loving girls in the flat. I suppose anything could happen. Jeremy goes, I suppose anything could happen. Mark responds, anything could happen. And Jeremy gets a quick, <laughs> they could shag us. And then that kind of brings Mark back to reality because he knows that's not happening. Yeah. Um, and just as Jess says he's going to go and get the tequila which is always the, the drink that's going to get oh, Australians no. in even more of the party <laughs> mood. Uh, Sophie knocks on the door and she comes in with a box of Mark's things. Yep. And uh, Mark is like, oh my God, we're supposed to do this tomorrow. And Sophie just says, you know, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're supposed to do it today. And he pulls out his little notebook and, um, and he's like, no, see you tomorrow. And Sophie just gives him this kind of like, good job for you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, we So uh, often in our house, we remark that marriage is essentially just a series of petty victories. And that does, uh, that's certainly true in our house. I'm not sure how much true it is of every marriage. But we, you know, getting one over on another is a large part of our day. And clearly Sophie has, has taken this on board. She... Mark is trying to be petty and she's having none of it. Yep. And uh, 
I was trying to look at the uh, the date that Mark had circled on his calendar. I believe that we are in April of 2008 in this calendar. Uh, okay. Uh, that would make about sense with the time it was. It was the summer of 2008 that this, this aired, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it was either January, April, or July. And I can't remember the method I used to determine that. I think I was able to see what it was like Friday the 16th or something. And right, okay. I just went and looked at all the Friday the 16th that were in 2008. And so they were, they were in April, uh, January, April, and July. And I just assumed April. Because uh, okay. January, I figured they would have been dressed way warmer than they actually were. Yeah, yeah. And it came out in the summer. Yeah. So that would probably be about right. Yeah. Um, uh, Sophie asks if she could come in and Mark just goes, nope. Maybe we should stick to the appointed. And then Sophie just is like, fuck it. And just walks past him anyways. Yeah. And she comes in and she sits down and Mark's clearly uncomfortable. He's trying to manage the situation. He says they're not his girls. They're they're Jez's girls. And Sophie looks generally unimpressed, but then starts talking about how she's been feeling and saying that she wants a little bit of an air clear. Can we, I just want to point something out here. So mm-hmm. Sophie has no reason to think that these girls are not Jeremy's girls, right? That's that's true, yeah. And knowing what we know about Jeremy, it's believable that that they would be his girls, isn't it? Yeah. So let's just keep that in mind when we get through this next scene. Um, okay. So, you know, she wants to have a bit of an air clear and she starts saying by, you know, totally from the office asking, asked if I wanted to go for a coffee and I told them to get lost. Let's just take a quick second here and think back to spin more where Sophie while high pretty much told Mark she had no interest in getting back with him. Uh, she was also on an indefinite leave of abstinence for absence from JLB following her assault on his teacup. And she was drugged out of her mind yelling at Mark that she hated him. Where did this like change of heart come from all of a sudden? That's true. I mean, this is part of the kind of the inconsistencies of Sophie. <laughs> She's quite inconsistent. And this is part of the inconsistencies. But you know what I do wonder is whether or not um, these were filmed in the order or written in the order that they are later broadcasting because potentially maybe this was meant to come sooner. I don't know that it does, but maybe her being drugged up and yelling abuse at him actually came after. Man, that makes total sense. Yeah, because Sophie's so erratic and kind of jumps around in this series that I can't see any other explanation other than that, you know, it maybe was written in a different order. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to, I will, that sounds very logical to me, so. Mm, Yeah. let's see here oh and then uh right as they're right as they're like really starting to have kind of a breakthrough in this conversation Saz just yells from the living room you know come in the living room so Lindsay can jerk you off um mark tells sophie that it's just a stupid joke but she seems to take this comment by a drunk australian as the rudest thing that's ever happened in her life and she accuses mark of humiliating her yeah, she's very upset by this and as kind of further proof of Sophie's erraticness and the fact that she's too hot to handle, she kind of kicks off about this. And then Lindsay, no, not Lindsay, sorry, Saz shouts out, come and let Lindsay's arsehole, it's clean. 
Mark says he, do, you know, he doesn't want to do that, and Sophie just as well. You moved on pretty fucking quick, and she goes. Okay, so we know that the handoff was supposed to be the next day. So why is Sophie getting so upset? I mean, she is the one that came over early. Like these women are, as far as she knows, Jeremy's women. They're obviously total drunk. I'm not sure why she's getting so upset about this. Like, oh. I think it's just that she's she's obviously in quite an unstable place, isn't she? We saw that in Spinwall when she was laying on the floor of the toilets. I think she's just, you know, things are not good for her right now. And, and maybe she has just been pushed over the edge by the idea that Mark's moved on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's able yeah. to move on, but she hasn't. Yes, even though Tolly from the office is clearly interested. Yeah. Um... So next scene, it, we're still back in Apollo House. It's the next morning. Mark look like, looks like he hasn't slept in like six years. <laughs> yeah, he looks like absolute shit. Uh, thinks that this is the second night in a row that he's not managed to get a proper night's sleep. And wanders out of the, the bedroom, bleary-eyed, to see Saz, the back of Saz, sitting at the breakfast table. And he thinks that finally this is... This is a, a a bonus to having her in the flat. It's sexy, sexy lady at the breakfast table. And then she turns around, and any uh, any thoughts of sexy woman at the dining table are just pretty much gone at that point because she yeah, she's looks a, a mas fright. mascara yeah, a, a smeared mascara monster at this point. She's sobbing. She's obviously on a pretty heavy come down, and she sobs out, "What the fuck am I even doing in this country anyway, Marco?" Yeah. She talks about how uh, she did a whole bunch of speed and copped off with a guy and doesn't even remember his name. Um, Mark just starts kind of tuning her out because this is about the worst thing that could happen to Mark. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know how to handle this at all. No, does he? and he just offers to go get her a tissue. <laughs> yeah, um, he then sort of wanders out into the living room where Jez is. He's been sleeping on the sofa. And Jez then complains about the, the lack of sleep situation and says that they were just laughing all night. He doesn't know what was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mark just says that they were laughing just to laugh. Yeah. They just love laughing, basically. Yep. Yeah. They just love laughing. <laughs> and Jez says, you know, you need to ask us to leave, don't you? And, and and Mark agrees that, hey, this isn't the best situation. He might might actually ask us to leave. So he goes back into the kitchen and he uh, he can't, obviously, him being Mark, he can't really outright say he wants her to go. But he sort of, up, in an upbeat way, says, uh, well, you've seen the South now. You've done the London Eye and the Trocadero. <laughs> you probably want to head up north now, see Harvey Nichols in Leeds. And then tells him there's an Anzac memorial in Huddersfield. She doesn't seem very into this idea, but he sort of persists with it. And then Saz says that actually she's just realised she really likes yep, him. She really likes him and she wants to go out with him. As they're having this conversation, when a man loves a woman, starts playing on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is it's clearly a lie that she likes him, but Mark is so desperate for love that he says it sounds lovely. Um, that that sounds nice. She can definitely stay as long as they can watch Morse go to his birthday parties together. 
uh, and he can put a picture of them together on his Facebook or make it his Facebook profile picture. <laughs> and then he says, maybe this could be our song. And he turns up when a man loves a woman. Yeah. Did you think that Saz seemed like really excited when he was talking about putting the picture on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, the look on her face is brilliant at that also, point. Also, does Mark seem like the kind of person that would have a Facebook page in 2008? No, I guess not. But maybe if everyone else was doing it, and particularly if he's trying to get out there with the women, maybe he thinks that this is the way he's going to get out there is by um, by having a Facebook page and being, you know, a crazier yeah, guy. Yep. Um, so after this scene, Mark walks back into the living room, and I just could not believe how... Oh my God, my voice. Let me start over there. Um, so after this scene, Mark just walks back into the living room and Apollo house just looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Looks shit. That's, I think it'd be fair to say. Oh my God. There's just fucking bottles everywhere. There's like a water bottle bong that somebody made. Uh, (laughs) there's clearly been an Australian party has taken place. Hasn't there? I'm feeling a lot of, uh, a lot of hate. Well, I shouldn't say hate. Excuse me. Um, I'm feeling a lot of like uh, a strong dislike for the Australians. I don't like dislike Australians at all. Like I said, one of my best friends is Australian, but I've known so many partying Australians in London that I just think that this is that they've captured the essence of the worst of Australians in London in SAS. Like it's that typical, like just party all the time. They would sleep in a wheelie bit if it was free. Like you, it's it's a definite like subculture of Australians that come to London, just work for a bit, get pissed up and stay on people's floors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saz is that person. Yeah. I think that we would, I'm trying to think of what the American equivalent to that is. I mean, I don't really know why we get so many Australians. It's, it must be to do with like culturally that we're related because it's not we're not close are we so it's weird that we get but and you know a lot of australians a lot of us have got family in australia i've got cousins in australia and they've both done the whole coming to london living and working sleeping on people's floors thing like i think it's a real cultural phenomenon it's kind of like the uh the dude from love actually the british dude from love actually that goes to wisconsin (laughs) yeah exactly exactly like him just looking for the per se Let's not let's not discuss how you've ruined my fucking favorite movie ever. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I like Love Actually, but that article from Jezebel that you're talking about was very no, accurate. It was, and that's why I hate it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why, why I was so upsetting. I was just like, Jesus Christ, I can't even enjoy my favorite movie anymore. I sent it to my best friend Jenna, who also is a big fan, and she was like, I laughed, but I can't say I appreciate that because. I can't ever watch it in the same way now. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And so Jeremy, he's getting dressed for the day and he's like all excited and everything. And um, he just asked, you know, when Saz is leaving and Mark is like, well, um, she's actually not leaving uh, because we are together now. Yeah. And... Jeremy just hits the roof at this and I like how he's getting dressed while he does it so he's sort of angrily putting on his jumper and he says this is a fucking limit she's so doing a number on you and he says he's gonna go and he's gonna leave and Mark says where are you gonna stay and he says I don't know maybe Hans's, Peggy's houseboat, Big Susie's and Mark replies 
that Peggy's houseboat is never getting released from Rotterdam and that Susie's back with Johnson and he says, I'll find yep. somewhere. And uh, as he storms out, Saz calls Jeremy a, a knob. Uh, she sits down on the couch and turns on the TV and um, Mark is just thinking about, you know, sexless life and everything. And then he's like, well, maybe. And then he just looks at Saz and he's like, hey, do you fancy, you know, a bit? And Saz just looks at... <laughs> the least yeah. sexy come yeah, on least ever. least sexy come yeah. on ever. And uh, Saz just <laughs> kind of looks at him and is like, nope. And he's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> she says maybe later, I believe is what she says, and he sort of nods resignedly, knowing that later will yep. never come. Yeah, later will never, never come. Uh, no. So no. next we have a really weird scene where they're in a conference room at JLB. Um, uh, yes, it's Mark, Sophie, Johnson, Jeff, Dobby, Gerard, etc. around a table. In Why a is Dobby room? at a fucking meeting with high-level JLB executives? Yeah, I don't know. We So I was watching it, doing my notes with Phil in the room, and he said exactly that. He was like, hang on, I've never thought of this before, but why is Dobby at this meeting? And it's like, oh yeah, you're right, why is she at yeah, this meeting? Yeah, it's really strange to me where all of a sudden, you know, you just have Dobby like, hey, I'm here and I'm gonna be Dobby and, you know, like, why is she at this? Yeah, why is she Dobby at this like. meeting? It does not make sense. No, it doesn't, but... Uh, she is at the meeting and Mark is is thinking as the meeting's going on, Mark is borderline sexually admiring oh, yeah. Johnson. Um, he's he's absentmindedly playing with a bulldog clip and his attention goes from Johnson, who he admires, <laughs> to Sophie and Tolly, what we assume is Tolly, who are flirting at the table. And as he absentmindedly fiddles with the bulldog clip, he <laughs> it snaps on his lip and it ends up attaching itself yep. to his bottom oh, God. lip. I, I've never done this before, but I have pinched those things on my fingers. Oh, my God. Yes, I cannot even imagine how badly that had to hurt. And props to David Mitchell, yes. because I think he actually did this. Yep, I think that was some method acting there. I agree with you. Yeah, props to him there, because that had to have fucking hurt. And he's just screaming, like, the lever, the lever broke off, and... Thank God that Dobby was there to, you know, help him out and find the lever and everything. Um, yes, she saves him and manages to get it off his lip. And the next thing we see are them standing outside the conference room. And Dobby's, she's being nice to him here, isn't she? She's sort of asking how he is and saying that she'd seen Sophie and Tolly flirting as well. And that, you know, it wasn't very kind to him to be flirting so obviously. No, and um, I really, like, Dobby is just, like, so motherly here and just so kind and concerned for Mark. And um, she, uh, then Jeff walks out of the room. Um, Jeff walks out of the room right after that, and he's like, hey, Corrigan, you know, if you're going to self-harm, wait for the weekends. And Dobby just comes right to his defense. Yes, she jumps in and she does a horrible cringy dance <laughs> which involves her uh moving her arms and sort of jumping from side to side and singing jeff's doing a joke jeff's doing a joke uh which is awful like it makes my skin crawl when she does this it's the cringiest thing ever but yeah mm, jeff uh gives her a death stare and calls her a freak 
Yeah. Which, you know, fuck you, Jeff. Yeah, fuck you, Jeff. You're a fucking knobhead. But um, she then asked Mark if he wants to go to his birthday party with her for moral support. She's clearly asking him out, but he doesn't get this. And instead says that he's going to be going with his girlfriend, Saz, and she's visibly very upset by this. And I want to get into the screen and shake Mark for his fucking stupidity. Did you hear the name of the guy that uh, Dobby is going to Mark's party with, or uh, that invited her to Mark's party? Uh, Skunky Pete, I believe it is. Yeah. So I think that Skunky Pete, Chemical Kev, European Bob, and Pedge. <laughs> they should all be in the spin-off together. Yeah. I just really like these peep show characters that are like, you don't need to know much about them other than their name, which is Skunky Pete. Skunky Pete, and you know everything you need to know about Pete from his description as Skunky Pete. I wonder if he, I wonder if they call him Skunky because he smokes skunk weed, or if he just because he smells bad. I assume it's because he's smoking so much skunk. That's that's what I've got in my head. He's like an IT misfit guy who uh, constantly smells of weed and is yeah knows a lot about computers and other than that he just gets high yeah um and so you know Dobby's like well you know skunky pete asked me if i wanted to go but you know if you want we could go together for moral support and mark he's like processing this information and he's just like nice geeky dobby or saz my primetime newsreader type girlfriend and yeah he, he- Decides to go with Saz and says, what is it he says about his, so something like, I can't remember the exact line, but it's like, probably don't follow your heart. That's what no one ever says. Uh, hold on. Don't follow your heart. What is it? That's what no one ever tells you, maybe. Yeah. Did the right thing there, pretty sure. Don't listen to your heart. That's what no one tells you. And that's probably the real grown up truth. Yeah. Poor, poor Dobby. I mean, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Dobby, but she's totally been fucked over here. It's really, really sad. No, it is. I mean, the fact that she even talks to Mark anymore is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. She's She's been knocked back by him so many times, you know, by the time that they even get anywhere with each other, that she's a saint, quite frankly, for putting up with him as long as she does. Yeah. Um, so next scene, we finally, it finally feels like Jeremy's storyline starts to go somewhere a mere, like, nine minutes before the episode is over. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is technically, like, about a halfway mark. Yes, um, I think it is, in fact, just after the adverts. I think maybe in the original broadcast, that was where the adverts were, was between these two scenes. Yeah. Um, he goes to Big Suze's house, and he tells her that he is homeless, and he's looking for a place to sleep. Um, Sue says that she's back with Johnson and um, Jeremy's just kind of like, yeah, I know, but we could take care of Johnson. That guy is such a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I observed here in my notes that Sue's has such a lovely house. I said, Jesus, this is a nice house. And um, I know we see it again later on in New Year's Eve, um, but this is the first time we ever see it. And it's lovely, but clearly she is very rich. Yeah. Um, I like when uh, when he says that Johnson's a dick and she's like, Johnson takes good care of me. And Jeremy's like, I could take good care of you. And she just (laughs) kind of gives him the most like heinous side. eye, like you're fucking homeless person. Like you can't take care of me. And Jeremy realizes this and he just looks at her and he's like, I'm not a hobo. Uh, I'm not a hobo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
she he says can, can he come and stay here and she says no she's back with johnson um but she does say that her sister runs a men's hostage and if you cut yourself a bit they'd have to let you in and she delivers it in a really like buoyant optimistic sue's tone which really makes me laugh it's um, very it's very similar to burgling where she suggests burning him with cigarettes yeah yeah exactly it's that tone um so she goes off to get the details of this and and jez steps into the hallway and he notices on the side that there is a uh well he notices first of all how much great her stuff looks it'd be great for selling and using the food to buy uh, the money to buy food but he then notices that johnson's credit card is on the side with a post-it on it that says something like for emergencies and with the pin number and he thinks to himself that if someone does that you've got to steal from them that's the rule and um, decides that he's just going to buy one sandwich and post it right back. Did you did you catch what the pin code was? It's eight zero zero eight, isn't it? Which I believe is calculator language for boob. Yes, it is calculator <laughs> language for boob. And I am immature, and I thought that was fucking hilarious, and I thought that was an amazing <laughs> pin number. And good on you, Johnson, for. <laughs> keeping the keeping your eye on the prize yeah having a sexy pin yeah um so next scene we get the first of businesses uh we are at awesome games which you and i again talking off air just assume that this was some like fake store with a you know fake facade or whatever i just always assumed it was a GameStop because it looks like a fucking GameStop. um but uh, Jeremy has taken his grift of Johnson's credit card a little too far. Yeah, so he's not just bought uh, one sandwich, but instead he's bought a rotisserie chicken, a kilogram of cheese, <laughs> a bottle of champagne, and he's now buying a portable DVD player and some DVDs. And headphones. Oh, and headphones, yes, because he's going to have a cheesy hobo homeless banquet. Yep. Um, he also decides to buy Men in Black and Wallace and Gromit, and he's kind of musing about musing about how credit card fraud is a victimless crime, and Johnson will report it stolen, and Johnson will get all of his money back, and Jeremy will get all the stuff for free, and you know, it's it's weird how Jeremy is able to justify that because in my head I'm like, oh yeah, he is right. The only person getting fucked over is the credit card company. But yeah, yeah I mean, he's sort of right, but morally, he's probably on thin ice as he stole it from them without them knowing so yeah i'm gonna say <laughs> that's that's jay's morals but they're probably not the same as our morals yeah we were also talking about was that on air oh jesus it was probably like 10 minutes ago we were talking about the pin or the chips in the card no that was still off air we were talking oh, about okay chip and pin. yeah i'm a little tired so i was like oh god i hope <laughs> we didn't just talk about that 10 minutes ago and i'm already like have Forgetting. moved on to other things I was okay. Yeah, I was just really impressed that you guys had credit cards with um, the chips in them back in 2008 because that has just recently, within I'd say the last two years, become a thing over here. Yeah, I seem to remember it came in in about 2006 because I worked in a shop and it confused the hell out of people for a while. But um, yeah, we've had it over here for a long time now. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, it does annoy me at some points because it is a little slower of a process. Um, but you definitely, from the good, from the good side, it's definitely way more secure, allegedly. I think, um, it'll probably get faster for you as well. I seem to remember it being quite slow to start with here, but as time's gone on, it's a quicker process. So 
probably it'll just you know i don't know what the technology is that makes it faster but it's pretty swift now i also really like here how jeremy just starts like kind of freaking out because it's taking the the transaction a little while to process um in my younger wilder days where i was not really paying attention to my finances i always remember these where like it would take it would take even like five seconds longer than normal and you're like oh shit oh shit do i have enough money do i have enough money (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean i'm not gonna lie and say that's never that never happens to me now it happens rarely but yeah i do have the occasional time where it's like yes that went through and um (laughs) And especially towards the end of the month, the end of January as well, when we got paid early in December. So very much identified with this. Um, he starts freaking out because he's got the card in the wrong way. And he then overcompensates when he realizes what he's done. And he's like, oh, my card. Oh, my lovely pin. Bad card. Bad, <laughs> awful card. Yeah. And then he asks for 30, no, 50 pounds cash back. And then, yes. of course... She hands him a 20 pound note and he's just like, oh, Elgar. Uh. You always catch me at my lowest points, Elgar, he says. Yeah. And um, I will say, though, in the interests of accuracy, that you can't get cash back from a credit card. So this is this wouldn't happen. But OK, well, for the purposes of the of the episode, we'll we'll believe it. But this isn't this couldn't actually happen. <laughs> um, so now we are at the William Four London Hotel and Bar. This is our second business that is actually still open. Um, where did I'm we... impressed that they're both still open, actually. I would have thought by now, probably one of them at least wouldn't exist. Uh, I This is probably way off topic and probably nobody's going to care but me. But GameStop has actively worked at buying up all these mom and pop video game stores. So I'm honestly shocked that that awesome games hasn't been turned into a GameStop yet. Because mm. it just it just seems like the kind of thing that would have happened. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You told me where it was. I don't think we mentioned this. It was in is in Walthamstow, and I am surprised. Uh, I live quite close to Walthamstow, and I'm surprised that it has continued. I can only guess it's in the gentrified part of Walthamstow. It's kind of got two. It's a town of two ends, and it's got uh, an end that's quite poor, and is now much more about like Polish supermarkets and you know it's got a market and stuff. And there's a, an end that's a little bit more gentrified, and I'm guessing it's at that end. Oh, uh, let's see here. Let's let's see what uh, Google Maps says. I'm gonna look now. I know what I'm looking at. So look. It's uh, what's it? What's it called? Game. Awesome games. It's right awesome. across from the Walthamstow Town Square Gardens. Oh, okay. So yeah, that is the nicer end of Walthamstow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is the good end. So that explains yeah. it. Um, and then this. London for or William for London Hotel and Bar four and a half star star rating on TripAdvisor, so not too shabby. Mm, nice, yeah, that is in a nice part of London, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, one of the reviews said though that if you're gonna buy drink, don't buy drinks there because the drinks are like ridiculously expensive. Oh, uh, really? That's just London yeah. at this point. Um, five pounds a pint. So Saz and Mark are dancing, and she just is like, she just yells out like. I want another drink and <laughs> yeah, give us, yeah, some, more give us some more tunes. And uh, so Mark <laughs> goes to the, or they kiss first and then Mark goes to the bar and as he's walking off, he's like, Hmm, was that a wince? That's not good. 
No, um, I've written in my notes that she is exuberantly and Australianly enjoying herself. And Mark thinks, dancing with my girlfriend at my party, look at me now, Dad, yeah. look at me now. And that's when he does goes in for the kiss um, and she winces and he says, that's not good. Pretty sure wincing isn't mentioned by any of the romantic <laughs> poets. Um, so he gets up to the... Um, as he's walking up to the bar, Sophie is at a table with a guy that I assume is Tully. And Gerard, without his nose tube, is standing up at the bar and he's just kind of head is bobbing around and he's like oh there's a lot of people here that i didn't know you liked and mark just responds meet in the room gerard meet in the room <laughs> yeah um mark is really playing up the girlfriend tag of Saz to make sophie jealous because she's sitting quite close by and johnson comes over and says that he's very impressed with this piece of arm candy um another observation from phil while we were watching the episode which i've written in my notes is why the fuck would sophie be at this party and he's got a good point it, i can't see unless they're both in an absolute war of attrition to try and make the other one jealous why on earth is sophie attending this yeah i don't party? know i i don't fucking know i really enjoy the part where mark is like playing no. up the fact that he has a girlfriend where he's just like I'm going to get a drink for my girlfriend and I'm going to leave my girlfriend's drink <laughs> yeah. on this bar. Just line up my girlfriend's drinks yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that. Really, really goddamn funny. Um, yeah. And then in the background, as Johnson and Mark are talking, do you see Jeff kind of come over to Saz and just start dancing with her? And then uh, Johnson is just like, is this okay, Mark? Are you okay with this? And, Mark is just like, yeah, yes. that's our thing. Uh, you know, we're going to go home later and we're really going to like, and he makes like a fist in like, just like <laughs> smashing motion with his hand. And Johnson just looks yeah. like disgusted and walks off. <laughs> um, the way that Jeff and Sazza sort of grind on each other is really funny, particularly the look on Jeff's face, which is really lascivious. Um, and it's very, very funny to sort of, I watched, I rewound it to sort of watch the dialogue and then just concentrate on Saz and Jeff and Jeff, Jeff doing his little grinding on her. Is oh very my funny. God. It's so funny where, where, uh, there's like one point where he like picks her up. Like he's got both of his, uh, he's got like both of her legs under his arms and he's just like holding her up and she's just like <laughs> thrusting her tits like right in his face. <laughs> yeah. It, he's loving it. Um, he so yeah jo johnson as you say asks if it's all right and mark says it is but then dobby comes over and is like have you seen this and he's like yes i've seen it it's fine and he's clearly really upset yeah. um and then uh and then jeremy shows up wearing like a really nice suit and he's just like hey i know that you always want us to play the violin so here's your here's a violin i got you yeah and mark is confused but quickly the confusion dissipates when Johnson appears, who Jez is startled by the appearance of, and he says, uh, you're meant to be in Frankfurt. And Johnson says, oh, am I? And it becomes clear that Johnson knows all about the credit card fraud. Yeah, yeah he, he said that he was in Frankfurt, but that um, he was notified that his credit card had been used to buy, amongst other things, a Ted Baker suit, a violin... And a bass guitar once played by Sir Paul McCartney from the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> yeah. Jez then, thinking on his feet, says it's a scam. This is a plan to make some money. And Johnson's having none of it. He says, no, I'm going to phone the police. 
and Mark can't bear this and just caves and says, I'll pay up for him. Don't call the police. He's not a criminal. He's just an idiot. <laughs> I really enjoy that line. He's not a criminal. He's just an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Johnson is clearly not happy with this, but there's not much he can say if he's going to get his money back. And I really enjoy this bit where he, he looks at Jeremy and he says, you came this close. And then he turns to uh, to Susan in a completely different tone of voices. Let's boogie, baby. And they head off to the dance yep. floor. Um, uh, Jeremy at this point is like, hey, you know, think about this is great. Like, I get a free suit. You get a free violin. And Mark's just like, I don't want to play the fucking violin. I want to play the clarinet. And I haven't had time to learn. And I already have one. And then... <laughs> he he just yeah. goes storming off and as he's storming off he is just kind of looking at everybody that's there and he sees so oh shit yeah i guess uh, for, sorry this is probably important too is that when a man loves a woman comes on and so jeremy tells mark like if you want to dance with saz go dance with saz <laughs> Yeah, and the DJ says that this is for the birthday boy. Um, yeah, like you say, when a man loves a woman, starts to play. Um, but he doesn't have the courage, of course, to tell ask us to dance with him. She's still dancing with Jeff. It's a slow dance, and it's getting a bit sexy. And then he looks over and sees Sophie and Tolly together. And then he looks over and sees Dobby. And what we can only assume is Skunky Pete doing some weird interpretive dance on each other. And... Um, and Mark just thinks that this is like his lowest end. This is misery heaped upon misery. Yep. And at that point, we... Uh... Oh, and then Jeremy even goes, does his like funny little dance from Wedding. Yes, he does a very strange, sexy dance. And he says, do you fancy it? And Mark's like, well, no, I don't want to dance with you. And then so Jess just starts doing this weird little central dance on his own. And the episode ends with Mark watching Jess dancing, who thinks that he will pay him back, even if you have to dance in cages to yep. do so. Uh, and so, yeah, that was pretty much the end of the episode. I really, I thought the first two episodes of the season were kind of lackluster. And, but man, I thought this was a great episode. So goddamn funny. Yes, me too. I, I remembered it being funny, but laughed much more than I thought I was going to. Like you say, I've always thought, oh, season five is a good season, but so far I hadn't laughed very... Oh, I had laughed, but it, like you say, there's been a bit lackluster. Um, but this is a very funny episode, and the first of three funny episodes that centre supposedly around Jeremy's trials and tribulations. Um, I love Saz, or, or I, lo I don't love the character Saz, but like I say, I really enjoy the characterisation of her. She's a terrible human <laughs> being, but she's really a well-written representation of this kind of irritating way some young Australians are in London. Um, and I really enjoy Jeremy's brief foray into crime here, um, especially that it involves a rotisserie chicken, which is probably not a normal criminal thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy Jeremy's foray into crime here as well. It's very, very yeah. fucking funny. Yeah. Um, where do you think I put it on my, my list of Peep Show episodes? Uh... You were so good at this before Christmas. I hope you've not lost your touch. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to say... 22? Get out of my head. Are you? Can you see this list? It is 22. Well done. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. <laughs> You're back on your winning streak. Oh, yeah, I'm back on my winning streak. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is my number 22 episode, so it rates pretty highly for me, this one. I cheated a little bit because you did say that I think I think you said this was the highest rated Dobby episode that you had. Ah, so. uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, well done, well cheated done. Cheated a little bit, cheating. but... Not really, not really cheating. You just, you know, it's a strategy. Yeah. So, um... Let's see. So... What other uh, TV shows have you been watching? Have you watched uh, Peaky Blinders on Netflix at all? No, I haven't. Everyone's talking about it. It doesn't really look up my street. Have you watched it? Uh, I watched the. I, I I have a friend that's like freaking loves it and has been trying to convince me to watch it for a while, and I haven't. Um, but I watched the first three episodes, and I was pretty impressed with the cast. And it's a good period piece, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, everyone is saying it's great and they put it back on iPlayer over Christmas um, and people were really enjoying it. So maybe I'll give it a go one, once I've finished uh, American Horror Story because I would have got to the end of American Horror Story at that point. All right, and I'm going to put you on the spot. What did you think of End of the Fucking World? Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Did you like it? It made us laugh a lot. It's not groundbreaking, but it's very funny. I So I watched it all in one go. I'm honestly not sure what I thought about it. What did you not like about it? Uh, it was just this kind of relentless sense of, like, dread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see there was a, a, an unrelented sense of dread in it. And it reminded me very much of... So there was a show on last year. Oh, I can't remember what it was called, though. Um, that was about the end of the world as well. And it had, it had some... It had Dobby's ex-boyfriend from peep show in it or what was it called um hang on i'm gonna google simon you me and the apocalypse yeah simon's in it um and it's called you me and the apocalypse and um it, it reminded me quite a bit of that obviously it had a similar theme yeah i just man i was just uncomfortable like watching that whole show yeah, Which, I mean, I... I think is kind of what they're going for. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to hold that against the show or anything like that. Yeah. No, I liked it. Like I said, I didn't think it was groundbreaking, didn't rock my world particularly, but I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I really did enjoy the little Matt King cameo in it. Yes, yes, he's very, he was very good in it. Yeah. Uh, any TV shows or podcasts you've been taking in? So I've got two podcast recommendations uh, this week, actually. I've been, so I think I've spoken before about the Griefcast, um, which there are a few more episodes of that have been released uh, with Carrie Ad Lloyd as the host, who later appears in Peep Show in the final series as, um, oh, what's her name? The girlfriend that of the boyfriend. April. Um, no, the... Oh, yeah. shit. Uh, Joe's girlfriend? Yes, that's right. Um, oh. oh, what is her name though? That's terrible that I can't remember. Hang I just on. like Joe. That look at me. I'm making my own work. <laughs> yes, uh, Megan. Megan in Peep Show. So she uh, is a comedian in her own right, and she hosts this this grief cast. And she, um, it's a really good podcast. I've talked about it before, and I've raved about it. It's a really funny. Uh, interesting, devastating podcast, which I defy you not to cry out because it's always it's always tinged with sadness because it's people coming on to talk about uh, lost loved ones. Um, but a few weeks ago, Robert Webb was on it, and his episode is wonderful, and especially for fans oh, of Hamilton, where he talks about man. his mum. Oh God, talking about it, I, it, talking about his mom. I'm assuming. 
Yes, yeah, oh. yeah. And it's really, it's really, really good um, and well worth a listen, as is the whole thing. They're all very good. Um, the other podcast that I've been listening to this week, I listened to virtually in one hit. It is called The Adventures of Memento Moro. And it's an American podcast hosted by a guy called DS Moss. And I found it because of the, it was on a list of top 50 podcasts of the year on the Atlantic website. And he, so it sounds really weird, but it's it's really interesting. It's really funny. He decides that he's going to talk about and confront death in a way that people aren't doing anymore. And first of all, he decides that he's going to confront his own death. So he's going to sort of do things like sort out life insurance, sort out who's going to be the executor of his will and stuff like that. He's only in his 30s, but he decides that people aren't talking about this enough and he's going to go on a journey to, to remember to live by... No, to learn how to live by remembering that he will die is how he puts it. And he um, uncovers things that we don't discuss around in death and dying. He calls himself, or he calls it a cynic's guide to learning how to live by remembering how to die. And he talks about all kinds of, each episode is about a different thing to do with dying. So there's an episode about contacting the dead through like mediumship. There's an episode about um, people that have got terminal illnesses and how they're coming to terms with dying. There's an episode about mass extinction, which I thought was the most interesting one in the whole series. So I thought it was just going to be an hour of him talking about the dinosaurs. But he talks to some scientists about all the different mass extinction events that they've been in our, on our planet. And it turns out there have been quite a few. And he talks as well about nuclear warfare and how basically that's going to kill all of us in the end. That's going to be <laughs> what mass, that's going to be the next mass extinction. Um, and it's just it's, it's really good. It's it's funny but it's informative and it will shit you up a little bit as well. And it's just well worth a listen. I tweeted him to say how much I liked it. And he said uh, that there's a second series coming out this year. So I've actually blogged about it on my blog. So if you want to read about it on anotherfuckingmother.wordpress.com, I talk about it there. And I've also tweeted a link on our Twitter. So I would, I can't recommend that highly enough. It's really, really good. Oh, that sounds good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, what about you? Have you been watching or listening to anything um, else? I'm still just listening to The Dollop. Uh, great podcast. They're going to be here in Kansas. I'm going to try to get tickets for it, but unfortunately the fucking thing is already sold out. Um, I started listening to this Bible podcast where they it it's <laughs> they review and recap the Bible like like what we do, but just by book by book of the Bible and it's called Sunday School Dropouts and it's really, really funny. Oh, that sounds quite funny. I might look for that. I did I did A-level um, Bible studies and I always felt like someone needed to do like a subversive, humorous take on the Bible. So that sounds quite interesting. I will definitely look yeah, that up. Yeah, really, I'm really enjoying uh, Sunday School Dropouts. Ah, I'm going to look that up right now and make sure I get it so I've got something to listen to while I'm making the There's dinner. actually a couple, I guess a couple people, you know, it's always weird how podcast trends kind of come and go like you and i kind of are doing the you know like video review podcast and um you know to really like get noticed you really have to do something that's kind of different than what everybody else is doing and so i was just like mm. you know which is one reason that i enjoy doing this show is because it's a little different and it's a you know underrepresented market um we don't have any competition we are uh uh, one show um, genre <laughs> but uh, I just kind of assumed that there was not really a lot in this like Bible review and there's like three or four of these like Bible review podcasts but 
Oh, really? Are there? It's not even like when I'm looking for new podcasts, I wouldn't even think to look in the Bible genre. So I've just I've just subscribed to it right now. So I'm going to have a listen and see how it goes. Yeah, it's really funny. I I they're the the two people just play off each other really well, and yeah, I just really enjoy you know hearing them kind of like some of the crazy shit that I just never even thought about, like where they talk about you know oh and then this woman was raped and then like 8,000 people were killed. And I'm like, wow, that's the old Testament. Like, I don't remember this. Yeah. The old Testament's pretty dark. That's so I've got a friend who's a RE teacher. He's a head of RE. Um, and he is, he went to like Bible college. His degree is in like the Bible. So he's always got interesting tidbits about the Bible. And he always says like old Testament. God was a bit of a, bit of a yeah. Dick. Like he was, he was heavily into the punishment yeah. thing. Yeah, there's, there's like a, there's like a guy who doesn't burn incense correctly, and God smites him down. Wow. Yeah, he was it really minor misdemeanors. He was, he was pretty cross about. <laughs> you know, if you weren't keeping kosher, he was, he'd have, he'd, he'd strike you down. That was, that was Old Testament yeah. God. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, one other podcast recommendation I have, um, this one's probably not for you, but, um, Chris Jericho pro wrestler, he does a podcast called talk is Jericho. Um, Chris Jericho has been kind of all over the place recently and he's had his last like two or three shows have been really fascinating. If you've been following Chris Jericho's career at all for the last couple months. So been interesting. I, I, not that I know much about wrestling, but it just seems weird that something that's such a visual medium that they can like, cause I know I've got a friend who's a, he's a, a sports journalist and he loves football and he listens to a podcast about Arsenal. And I just think, but what, it's a visual medium, like what's to talk about. So like my husband listens to a lot of talk sport as well on the radio, which is like a radio station all about sport. And I always just think it's, it's funny that, that you can talk so much about sport, but you can't see what they're talking about, if you know what I mean. So, but there's lots of sports fans that love that sort of thing. So I'm clearly just missing something. Uh, do you mind if I just kind of like geek out for like two minutes? No, go for it. Okay. So the reason that I have really been enjoying Jericho's podcast is, you know, wrestling, pro wrestling is one of these industries where you don't see behind the curtain very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jericho is not really afraid to kind of like peel back the curtain a little bit and let you see the behind the scenes, which is, I, I just think is like fucking fascinating. And um, um, so the reason that Jericho has been kind of all over the place recently is he signed with a Japanese company to wrestle in Japan and Jericho has wrestled for the WWF for basically like the last 20 years. And the match that he had, was in new Japan was just phenomenal. It was like, it was amazing. And it got a lot of mainstream attention. There was a lot of like sports writers that were like, Holy shit, you should watch this. And so his podcast, especially the one that I really liked was with the guy that he wrestled. His name is Kenny Omega. And it was interesting because it was Jericho and Kenny Omega talking about this match that they had. They recorded the podcast like three days after the match. They talked about, like what they liked about the match, what they didn't like about the match, how the match came together. And so that was what I thought was just really interesting about it was it just is like this super, you know, behind the scenes look at 
my one of my favorite matches of the year so far i guess you've answered so. that question then so if there's strategy and stuff and it's being talked about then you don't need the visual medium of it like i say i knew i'd missed the point somewhere i just wasn't quite sure <laughs> what happened when you talk about the small without the visual medium yeah so uh anyways that's uh that's enough of that so uh yeah well well it's we great will... to be back on a roll oh and my gosh, uh, I know. <laughs> looking forward to talking about jeremy's mummy next week which is an episode i really love and oh, i've not i've not i've not rewatched it yet but i know that i love it i've seen it not that long ago and it's a great episode so really looking forward to that yeah uh, all i remember so i this is probably one of the episodes that i've watched the least there's basically like two things about this episode i remember um so i'm interested to see like what else happens in this episode that i've just completely forgotten about yeah yeah no absolutely all right well this cool. is the El dude brothers podcast signing off eh, eh. goodbye i am in loco parentis i am the last remaining contestant of the apprentice i am the home train dentist. Ay, 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 